Tanya for the fifth of Maheshon refers to the story. When it came time for Rishim Bayahai to pass away, the Zoyha records a lot of the events that happened. And it's very mysterious and very mystical. A lot of it's written in a particular way that might lend itself to be understood, but of course it can't really properly be understood. But some of the details that are interesting is that the fire that was in Rabbi, in Rabbi Shimayahai's house when his students came left because it was the last day. And then the students, they left, two of the students remained and one of one of being one of whom was his son, and then he invited the, his students back in, and the fire surrounded the house. And Rabbi Shemayachai told them, he said, "I promised Rabbi Yitzchak, a particular great sage who lived at that time, that he's going to join me when I go up to Ganeid, when I go up to heaven. He's going to join join me. Tell him to get his affairs in order because that's it. Today it was like my man. And then Rabbi Shemayachai gave explanations on." Um, secrets of the Kabbalah. He talked about the the people that are living and the people that are silent and about giving praise. He quoted David Amalek and Tehillim about giving praise. And beautiful explanations, many of which have been analyzed in Hasidus and is and explained at great length. And then the very end, Rabbi Abba says, the, Rabbi, Abba, Rabbi Abba recalled, one of his students, or his foremost students, recalled like this. He said he was writing what Rabbi Shemayahai was saying. And in the middle of the of quoting a verse about living, about life, Shimon stopped by the word Chaim. Chaim literally meaning life. That's the last word he said. And he waited, one, you know, waiting for me, Shimon to keep saying whatever lesson he said. He said the word Chaim, and he's waiting for more explanation. He looked towards Shimon Yechai, but he couldn't see him. The light that was emanating from Shimon Yechai was so bright, he, he, couldn't look, he couldn't look to see what was why Shimon Yechai had stopped talking. And then he heard a voice call out the verse Chaim, and another vo- voice called on an additional verse. And Rabbi Abba understood what was happening, and he fell to the ground and he wept. And then the fire and the great light remo- left, and he looked at Hashem Yechai and saw Hashem Yechai had passed away. And he saw Hashem Yechai was lying on his right side, and his face was smiling. And that's that's how the Zohar, that's how, how you know the Zohar records the passing of Hashem Yechai. Yesterday's Tanya, we began, this, the entire Tanya actually was just a statement of Hashem Yechai, and it was talking about the a statement of Hashem Yechai, talking about the power of the Zoya, how the Zoya is so much more powerful than anything else. And if you read the Zoya, if you read the Zoya at surface value, it seems to be saying incredibly um, complicated things to understand. There's no other way to describe it. It just seems so difficult to solve. What are the, all these statements mean. And in today's Tanya and tomorrow's Tanya, the Al-Tarab is going to systematically go through the Zoya that we, we spoke about yesterday, about the, the what's going to happen when Mashiach comes and the power of the Zoya for those that learn Kabbalah, what, the power they're going to be able to bring into themselves and spare themselves from all the sorrows that happens around the times of Mashiach. But the Al-Tarab is going to go systematically through all the questions, or a lot of lots of questions based on this Zoya saying, I don't understand what's going on. Today, the Alter is going to start with us. And let's, let's begin with some of the questions, and those questions will continue until tomorrow. The Hine. And the first one is, is an obvious um, 
an obvious um, question. That is, it seems to imply from yesterday's Zoya that we quoted that the Zohar in Kabbalah is the tree of life. But the rest of Torah, you know, Halacha and Mishnah and Gemara and Sifri and Sifra and all the good books that we learn continuously, all the Halachic parts and the Torah itself all seem to be the tree of good and evil, which means that you're telling me the Halacha or Gemara is a tree of good and evil. There's evil in the Gemara and there's also good in the Gemara. That seems highly controversial. So let's begin. For those that lack understanding, it seems to be a very obvious question. That it seems to imply that the 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 order of taharis. When we talk about the the halachas, the the laws pertaining to purity, that's good and evil. Aside from the fact that that's a wildly um, controversial topic, you know, that how, how is that possible that Torah, which is so holy, is, is called the tree of good and evil? Torah is called the tree of life. In fact, we famously say, the, the Torah is a tree of life for those that grab the Torah. And that applies to all the Torah. So we had this statement from the Zohar that seems to imply that only the Zohar is a tree of life when we call all of Torah to be the tree of life. Especially the Zohar, after the Zohar was finished by Hashem Bayachai and then concluded by Rabbi Abba, his student, it was only hidden. And for a thousand years, no one had access to the Zohar. The book of the Zohar was lost. In the year 1290, we rediscovered the Zohar. 1100 years and change, the Zohar was banished. So to say that all throughout 1100 years of our history, people had no access to the true life, the tree of life of Torah. That's that's wildly controversial. And even the people that had access to the Zoya, or people during the times of Hashem Ba'chai that had access to it, not everyone was able to learn it. Extreme, exclusive people had access to the Zoya. Everyone else had absolutely zero access, no possibility to learn it, which meant they were learning from the tree of good and evil, seemingly, and only one or two people in that generation or the following subsequent generations had any form of access to the Zayah. In the 1500s said, by the way, now that we're coming closer to the Mashiach, not only are we permitted to learn the Zayah, but actually it's a commandment that we have to actually go and learn the Zayah. Go learn it, says the Arisa. But until then, it was extremely um, isolated to very unique individuals who had the great merit to learn one-on-one in deep isolation the Zayah. That means everyone else in that generation had no access to the tree of life. Says Al I'm sorry, that's a very tough pill to swallow. itself says, I don't give permission for anyone to learn the Zoya aside from me and my very unique um, disciples. No one else has to learn it. That means everyone else during that generation wasn't able to grab the tree of life. And this is a remarkable thing. Based on this presumption that, you know, the rest of the Torah is kind of like low class. It's not really that important, not really the tree of life. We have this principle that someone who learns Torah and is dedicated to Torah, which nowadays doesn't really apply, but in the olden days it very much did, they are exempt from prayer. Now, 
that would only be on the assumption that the Torah that they're learning is true, pure Torah. But if they're learning something, you know, some mitigated, some some quasi uh, lukewarm Torah, Torah that has goodness and evil inside of it, well, what excuse do they have to not pray? Because, you know, what they're learning is not really all that remarkable. It's just the tree of good and evil. For, from all the questions, it's very clear that, of course, the Al-Tarebbe is not going to buy the narrative. He's not going to buy into the narrative of what he's saying, that the rest of Torah is good and evil. And he actually says exactly the opposite. He says everything is good. I'm kind of giving you a bit of a spoiler in advance. And basically, we know that and all the students and all the all the other people. The, the, the point is, you have a famous rabbi called Rabbi, rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda. It's many years after Shemayachai. He spent his entire um, um, day, and literally every moment of his day, learning about the, the damages section of Torah, which definitely by, by this criteria would be the tree of good and evil. And yet he didn't pray, which obviously means that he wasn't learning from the tree of good and evil, but he was learning from the tree of life. So what does Isaiah mean? What is Isaiah talking about? So strong question. Okay. So the point is, the Yashami itself talks about Yashami that you know someone that's learned, that dedicates himself to Torah, they're able to not learn Torah, and it doesn't differentiate between the different parts of Torah, which means like this: someone that's learned Torah and has their entire occupation dealing with Torah, they are exempt from learning. For prayer. And that obviously means that all forms of Torah are the tree of life. So what does the Zayah mean when it calls only the Zohar itself to be the tree of life? Now I'm just going to read a little bit of the Kabbalistic. I'm not going to explain it in length because we're running out of time. And the Alter the, the says, if you look at the Kabbalistic levels of the different parts of the Torah, it's very clear that all of these levels of the Torah all are very high and holy, holy locations. Torah itself and Halakha and all that is called either whether Malchus or whether, called, whether it's called, you know, uh, the maid servant, etc. The point is, all Torah is special. And why does the Zayah seem to imply, the Zayah that we learned yesterday seem to imply, only Kabbalah, Zayah is a special tree of life and nothing else is. The gum, and now the altar is going to finish off with a third question that's really going to drive in this point that all of Torah must be um, considered the tree of life. Wait a second, let's open a Mishnah. You open a Mishnah, you any random Mishnah, and you see Rabbi Shemayachai is mentioned continuously. In fact, when you have a Mishnah and it says Rabbi Shimon by itself, that is Rabbi Shimon by Yechai. Rabbi Shimon by Yechai is so prolific in the Mishnah, which meant he dedicated the bulk of his time, especially the time in the cave, dedicated towards learning Mishnah. So Rabbi Shimon by Yechai is saying how amazing Zayah is, and Zayah is a tree of life, and everything else is seemingly, based on this question, question the tree of, life, um, of good and evil. Rabbi Shimon by Yechai dedicated his entire life to Mishnah. All the Mishnahis we have are Rishim Bayachai. One of the most prolific authors in the Mishnah itself is Rabbi Shimon Bayachai. If he didn't hold of Mishnah being the tree of life, then why did he spend so much time dedicating his life towards this? In fact, 
what did he spend 12, 13 years inside of a cave doing? Says the Alter Rebbe, it most certainly wasn't learning Zoya. Common misconception, he was learning mystical secrets while he was hiding in the cave from the Romans. But the Alter Rebbe proves, of course it wasn't. Why? Um, a Chai was in the cave because of Roman persecution. He comes out of the cave. His father-in-law comes to meet him. A great tzaddik, and his father-in-law starts asking him questions. And Rav Shemachai suffered very bad. His, his health took a big turn for the worse based on this 12 years, 13 years in the cave. His father-in-law starts asking him questions and Rav Shemachai starts giving 24 answers to every question. Brilliant. Rav Shemachai style answers. And his father-in-law says, how is it possible that this, this that all of this dreadfulness could all happen to you? And he said, if not for this dreadfulness, had I not spent 12, 13 years in the cave, I wouldn't be able to answer these questions. The, re- the power I have, I spent so much time dedicated to Torah, not just Kabbalah, not just Zaya, and that's the reason I'm able to answer. If I'm alone, you're not seeing me in this pain, I wouldn't have been able to answer all these questions. So the altar proves he says 12 13 years. If they spent in the cave, they weren't learning Kabbalah. If they were learning Kabbalah, Zoya, they would have spent two months, three months on it, because it would have never repeated something twice. Roshimai Chai was, was not a regular uh, Torah student. He was the greatest of the great. He wouldn't have repeated it, so which meant to read through the Zoya with him and his son together wouldn't have taken more than two or three months. They would never repeat it, which meant, what did they do for the other rest of the 12 or 13 years? Of course, they were learning the 600 sections of Mishnah. We only have six sections of Mishnah, but there's another six. We know there's 600. They obviously spent their time doing that, which meant the bulk of the time they spent in their cave was dedicated to learning Mishnahis, learning Halacha, which obviously proves that Halacha is not the tree of good and evil, but it must be the tree of life. And one final proof is, proof is, we said from the time the base of was destroyed, where's Hashem's presence? Where's Hashem's Shechina? And again, this is a direct connection to the earlier Tanya. It, the Hashem's Shechina hangs out in Halacha, which means, straightforward, <coughs> the divine presence of God is inside of, when a person learns the deep laws of, of, of Halacha, or any form of halacha, a person learning the code of Jewish law, at that point they're connecting to Hashem Shechina. You cannot say that's a tree of good and evil. So the altar starts a whole bunch of questions on the Zaya, and tomorrow the altar is going to ask you more questions, and then the altar is going to start to sew it all back together until it's the most beautiful picture, a tapestry of what the Zaya really means to tell us and what the lesson from the Zaya is. Thank you so much for joining the time. The time is a little